We do have the joy this morning of hearing from one of our own, Micah Meisberg. And uh, Micah is a member here at Christ Church East. Micah is a community group leader here. Uh, and he's also studying at Gordon-Conwell Seminary here in town, working towards getting an MDiv. And uh, he's also uh, in the process of coming under care of the Presbytery, which means that he'll be doing an internship and, and um, getting his feet wet in the pastoral ministry. And so we are absolutely thrilled, Micah, to have you bring the word to us this morning. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Keith. As Keith said, um, I count it a privilege that this is my church family. I, I, a privilege to speak to you all this morning. If we'd uh, just bow our heads one more time, come before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, so much for who you are. I just pray that you would be glorified this morning, that you'd speak to us through your word, uh, through me, God. I, I just confess to you that I am nothing and that, that you are all in all. And I just pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would minister to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen the hands that, that hang down, God, that you would refresh us with the good news of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, it'll also be in your sermon guide. We'll start uh, the scripture reading in verse 32. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. And jumping down to verse 23 of chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, <clears throat> refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, <clears throat> for he was looking to the reward. Uh, for better or for worse, many of us have seen the movie The Prince of Egypt. Uh, you may or may not like the movie or have some reservations about it, uh, about the artistic license taken with the story. Um, and don't get, don't get me started about Exodus, Gods, and Kings. Um, or maybe you are a fan of the classics, uh, The Ten Commandments by Charlton Heston or with Charlton Heston in it. Uh, regardless, all of us have some level of familiarity with the story of Moses. It's an inspiring story of faith that's been told for, for millennia. Today we're going to be looking at their faith, what that means for us today. But before we dive into looking at Moses, it'll be helpful to set the context of the passage. So we picked up in the book of Hebrews. Uh, this is outside of, of our regular sermon series. Um, but to set the, the context for the book of Hebrews, 
we know that the, the writer of the book of Hebrews was writing to Jewish Christians living in the first century. It's probably the second generation of Jewish Christians uh, from chapter 2, verse 3, if you're interested to look that up. Like us, they had never physically seen or heard Jesus, and so they had received the testimony of others and come to faith. At this point, Jesus had already come. He had proclaimed throughout all Israel that he himself was the long-awaited Messiah. This meant that he claimed that he was the Savior and King of the world, whose coming God had promised for centuries. It meant that, that he was the one God had promised to reverse the curse of sin. Um, ever since sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, death entered the world through sin. It tells us in Romans 5. And because of that, almost nothing in the world is the way it should be. We know that, right? We know how, how sin brings about death um, in our lives. And even when we experience joys and pleasures, they can leave us feeling empty. Jesus came to bring restoration of our relationship with God and from there, uh, restoration to our relationships with others as well. He proclaimed that he was God's only begotten son, unless that surprise wear off from just over-familiarity. He claimed that as, as a man, he claimed to be one with God the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. The Jews picked up stones. <laughs> he said, before Abraham was, I am. He claimed to be more than just a good teacher, just a good man. He claimed to be God's only begotten son, God himself in the flesh. As a sign that Jesus' message was true, he traveled around Israel uh, performing miracles and healings. He even raised people from the dead. Nothing could go wrong, his disciples thought. Surely, it was just a matter of time, and everyone would recognize that this was the king. This was the king of Israel. The Messiah had arrived. Everyone would know. And then, what happened? Huge shocker. Jesus was killed. He was executed by the hated enemy of the, of the Jews, the Romans, he was accused of sedition against Caesar because he claimed to be a king. He was beaten and stripped, powerlessly hung on a cross until he died. He was buried in a cave. How could this Jesus be the savior, the king of the world? How could this be the long-awaited Messiah that they had longed for for centuries? Jesus' disciples were devastated. This was all until the fateful day when uh, Peter, and Joseph, uh, Peter and John rather, uh, ran to the tomb and found it empty. The large stone that had covered the grave had been rolled away by a mighty angel. Jesus presented himself alive to his disciples. For 40 days, it says in Acts 1, 
He taught them. He taught his disciples. He presented himself alive. And by raising Jesus, God vindicated his message that he was his son, that he was the Savior, that he had died for a reason, that it was all part of God's plan. He died as an innocent substitute in our place, bearing our sin and purchasing the free gift of eternal life for all who would believe in him. Jesus was the one and only God-man. It's a cool way of saying that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And he was the one mediator who could reconcile both God and man for that reason. As the Apostle Paul says, for our sake God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. And here's the huge shocker, is that after all of this, there were many who did not believe. Um, The disciples proclaimed the good news about Jesus everywhere. He died and rose again, triumphing over sin and death. And yet, they thought, how could this Jesus be raised from the dead? Didn't he blaspheme? He, he called himself the Son of God, making himself equal with God. The Jews who did not believe, and there were many who did not believe in Israel at the time, began to persecute and exclude and even put to death, as you may remember from the book of Acts, the Christians who did believe. And that's where we find, that's where we find the, the Jewish Christians of this story. They were ostracized and excluded by other Jews who did not believe in Jesus. At first, they could joyfully accept the plundering of their possessions, like we read, and public reproach for Christ. Yet the pressure and persecution for their faith did not let up. It was only getting worse and worse. The writer of Hebrews exhorts these Hebrew Christians to, per- to persevere and to not throw away their confidence or faith in Jesus. In chapter 11, he walks them through uh, most of the major characters of the Old Testament. And how this applies to us is that we are exhorted in the same way to persevere, not just by good examples from the Old Testament, but to persevere for the same reasons that the Old Testament saints persevered. If we could see what they see and believe what they believed, we would have a faith that's larger than life. We would have a a hope and a treasure that's an anchor for our souls. So if you look at uh, Hebrews 11, in verse 1 it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Or your Bible might say it's the certainty and the assurance of things hoped for. What that means is that these characters in the Old Testament that he encourages the the Jewish Christians with who are being persecuted is that they were certain of the hope that was coming because of faith, but it also means that they were the substance. 
It means their lives of faith were the evidence of things to come. They were the evidence of God's work in them. And they were evidence to everyone around them of the hope that they had. The hope that they had was far greater than the price that they had to pay in their lives. And that's why with joy, with joy they could accept the plundering of their property, you know, in, in, in chapter 10, or to face all the things that they faced. Uh, like most of the saints in this chapter, uh, as we skip down to uh, verse 23, focusing now on, on Moses, just want to take, take uh, a second to highlight Moses' parents and Moses. There's a lot of, of great things in Hebrews 11, and like the author of Hebrews, time would fail, you know, to, to talk and share about all of these uh, stories. But here's, here's what's true of all of the characters of the Old, uh, Old Testament saints in this chapter, and Moses' parents, and Moses, is we don't know how much they knew. Almost all of the commentators um, think Moses' parents knew something about Moses' calling. If you uh, look back in verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. All throughout, the, the Bible scholars will say, it wasn't just because the child was beautiful. They knew something about the special calling that was on this child. And because of that, they risked their own lives. Same thing with Moses. It says almost all uh, commentators are cautious on describing Moses' understanding of Christ. If you look in verse 24, it says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. And Jesus came about 1,500 years later. So what, what, did, Jesus, uh, what did Moses rather know, understand about the reproach of Christ? We should leave that <laughs> as, as it lays in, in a place of, of silence. But what we, we do know is they shared the faith of their, their father Abraham. They, they believed in the one God who had promised redemption to the world through Abraham's descendants. They trusted in his promise. They lived only to please God. They lived before the eyes of God. So uh, what I want you to, to focus on for verse 23 is that they were not afraid of the king's edict. They had a, a, a supernatural courage in the midst of oppression to take a, a bold stand that might cost them their life. They weren't afraid. reminds us in the Christmas season, perhaps, of Mary and Joseph, and it's meant to. Uh, in many ways, that's a fulfillment or was foreshadowed by this event. 
who didn't fear Herod's decree and rescued a savior out of the command to, to slaughter the, the, the infants. And therefore protected Jesus from certain death. As with Moses, he left Pharaoh's house uh, risking his life. I don't know if you are, are thinking of, of uh, the prince of Egypt or not. That's what always comes to my mind. Um, maybe because I grew up watching it uh, every so often in kids' church and so on. But uh, what entailed the life of a prince of Egypt to be the, the um, son of Pharaoh's daughter? He had... Luxury cars, read chariots, chariots and horses. He had boats, read yachts, maybe private jets. He had royal houses, uh, read mansions, five-star meals, perfume, spices, pamper treatment, maybe AC when no one else had AC, you know, people fanning him. He had the best education money could afford. Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, tells us in Acts chapter 7. He was a man of power in words and deeds. He had power, prestige, influence. He was a grandson of the king of one of the most powerful and civilized countries in the world. Um, that, that would be... Like the prince or princess of England. You know, that would be like being related to the president. He had anything he wanted. And yet he left that voluntarily. In fact, it says he refused when the time came to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So having all of these things in this position for Moses was not inherently sinful. For 40 years, he grew up in the midst of this environment of royalty. In fact, jo uh, Joseph was in a very similar position in Egypt, if you remember from the book of Genesis, and was called to use that position of influence to glorify God. And Joseph, through that, saved the lives of thousands of people during a great famine. But there came a time for Moses when it would have been sinful to enjoy the pleasures of royalty in Egypt while the people of God were enslaved by the very family that he was a part of. And God, furthermore, had put him in Pharaoh's court for a reason. Would he embrace that calling or would he be ashamed of it and choose sinful pleasure? But Joseph and Moses had this in common. They had their things, but their things didn't have them. They sought to please God above all. They did not fear the king. When God is first in, your, in our lives, we are free to love people and to use things to glorify God and serve other people. But when God is not first in our lives, we'll love things 
and use people for our own gain. If Joseph did not have the same resolve as Moses in Pharaoh's court to serve and please God above all, he could not have been used by God to glorify him in in the midst of of all that wealth. Uh, Paul said that he knows how to abound and be in lack. He's found the secret. The famous verse, "I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can abound. I need Christ's strength to abound, to keep him first in the midst of abundance. For us, Moses' parents is somewhat foreign, their situation, because they were in the place of oppression. And they trusted God in the midst of being enslaved. And yet Moses probably seems a little bit more familiar to us, regardless of whether you have several luxury cars or whether you have the yachts and the the mansions and all that. It doesn't matter. That's our story simply because we have the same decision. We have the same choice as Moses, where slowly but surely we're being called to do that. Personally, in each of our lives, Christ calls us to, to voluntarily give up the freedom and the privilege that we have. To give up the honor, to give up the reputation, if it comes to that, for the sake of Christ. Right now, it's, it's, it's not that way in our country. But what if it was? What if it was? I'm sure many of you who, who are believers have experienced this some in your life already. But this is what it takes to persevere. This is, what it, this is the kind of life it takes to persevere through the trial of both um, human oppression, but also the trial of wealth and abundance. How do they endure through that and make the right choices to please God? By faith. If we skip down to uh, chapter 12, Jesus is also used as an example. As um, we've been reminded in this holiday season, leading up to Christmas, the amazing humility of God, that he stepped down from heaven and became a baby to uh, a poor family from Nazareth. The amazing humility of Jesus, who was preexistent with God the Father, we see in Philippians 2. He left the comfort of heaven and endured great hostility from sinners, it says in Hebrews chapter 12. 
He did not count equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but he, he endured the cross. He bore our sin. He disregarded the shame for the joy set before him. This morning, what I feel like God is calling us to is to look to the eternal reward, is to look to the second coming of Christ. Christ has come. Christ is coming again. The way that we persevere in our faith is by faith, is by growing in believing the things we already say we believe. For those who are not Christians uh, in the room, if you're honest, you know deep down you're aching for something more than this world can offer. You might be like Moses and surrounded by modern conveniences, surrounded by earthly possessions. You might have a lot of earthly pleasures in your life, but you have to reckon with the fact that's said right here in, in Hebrews chapter 11, where God calls these, these pleasures of sin fleeting. They are. 70, 80 years max. Maybe 100 if you're lucky. They're fleeting. But the punishment of sin is eternal. Sin is rebellion against God. And God is king. God is king forever. After this world passes away, God is king forever. John's, the Apostle John says that the pleasures of this world are passing away, but he who does the will of God will abide forever. Look to Jesus. Today may be the day of your salvation. He's calling you to let go of your unbelief. Jesus would call you into his family with open arms. Look to Jesus and be saved. For Christians here, today is a day of, of reflection and uh, realignment. As we enter the new year, we should examine ourselves. So writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, sometimes it feels like sin clings so closely. There's endless mercy and grace in Christ for those who do not give up in their fight against sin. But as I was saying, how do, we, how do we not give up, right? It's not just a sprint. The race that, that we're called to run is a marathon. I don't know much about running. I should know more about running after the new year. I should, I should set some more goals. Maybe some people here can help me. I'm thinking of some people. But we're not called to, to a sprint. We're not called to the 100-meter dash. We're called to the Iron Man. <laughs> We're called to a lifelong journey of faith. As the worship team is coming up, I, I invite you to reflect. The Apostle Peter says in, in 1 Peter that to those who believe, Jesus is precious. He's a treasure. 
He's the reward. It says Hebrews 11, verse 20, uh, 24 and 25. He chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. Is Jesus your reward? Just wanted you to take a moment. If you if you just stand, uh, as we conclude the service. Just want you to close your eyes and uh, bow your hearts before the Lord, and to reflect on where your hope in Jesus. If, if you are a believer here today, where your hope in Jesus has waned, where you've set your hope on other things, do you love Jesus? Do you look forward to the day of seeing Jesus Christ, of his return, of spending eternity with Jesus? Do you long for it? Is it greater wealth to you than anything in this world? Where are the places where you've, you've envied people in the world? You've envied the pleasures of sin. Reflect and, and re repent if you need to. Turn back to God in those places. Ask him to be exalted in your heart. Ask him to restore faith. Oh God, we come to you this morning as weak and as broken, but as your people, as your children. God, I pray that today would be a day that you would call us to faith in Christ, whether for the first time or for the hundredth time, Lord, I pray that you would help our unbelief, Lord. That you would show yourself to us. That you would show us that you have at your right hand pleasures forevermore. That you are more than enough to satisfy our hearts. God, we come to you in prayer for 2016, and we... We just ask that you would be our treasure, Lord, that you would be high and lifted up in our hearts. God, that you would be the first thing we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.